everyone, and welcome to the Balanced Purpose Podcast. My name is Ray Trevino, and I am your host. Each week, we will explore the essential elements of living a fulfilling, balanced, and meaningful life. Our podcast brings together entrepreneurs, business executives, coaches, and everyday people like you and me who have seen challenges and have overcome adversities to create success and find balance in their lives. Whether you're a young professional seeking to make an impact in your career, a parent looking to balance work and family life, or a retiree seeking to create a new purpose, our podcast is something for everyone. So join us as we delve into the world of living a balanced and purposeful life and discover how you can create a life of balance and purpose for yourself. Today's guest is a strong business development professional with an MBA from Duke University, a graduate of SBA's Emerging Leaders Initiative, and the CEO and training expert at Office Pro Inc., one of the fastest growing training companies in the Washington, D.C. area. I'd like to welcome Aaron Udler to the show. Aaron, how you doing, man? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great to have you here. Would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe throwing a fun fact that most people don't know about you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm 6'2", 250. I like taking long walks on the beach, um, but I like having <laughs> a lot of fun. I live in a world of work hard, play hard. So I bought Office Pro for my dad uh, about 10 years ago. He started the company in 1984, training people in a brand new type of technology called computers. And boy, have we come a long way. So we now train on all sorts of different types of software. Microsoft Office is, is our uh, bread and butter, but we also do IT certification with CompTIA and Cisco and those uh, sorts of things. We have another part of our business that's also a staffing business that's AV's focus or audiovisual focus. So uh, when AV companies, they need some on-site meeting support or help desk type support or break fix support, uh, we get the call to come in and provide uh, support. And that's kind of what we do. And then a uh, fun fact about me not many people know about is that, uh, that I like to play ice hockey for fun. So that's, that's my thing. So uh, I just celebrated my 10-year anniversary here at Office Pro. And my staff got me this really cool custom-made Office Pro hockey jersey <laughs> with my, with my <laughs> name on cool. the back, the Office Pro logo on the front. And 84 is the number because that's when uh, my old man started the company in 1984. That's an amazing story. How fun. Now, I read that you've tripled the company since 2015. Is that correct? Yeah, we're, we're, we're growing pretty quick. I'm a firm believer with any business leader, right? You always have to reinvent and evolve your business. And if you, if you just do one thing really well, hey, that's great, but you're never going to be able to grow your business. And I like to follow, you know, kind of the model what Google's done over the years or Microsoft has done over the years. You get good at something, you become an expert at it, and then you go develop another revenue source. And that's kind of what I've been doing along the way. You know, every two to three years, I try and come up with a new revenue source while still managing the old revenue sources that which funds the next project and the next adventure. So what's in the pipeline for your next adventure? <laughs> well, not to let all the cats out of the bag, but one of the things that we're really excited <laughs> about is that we just created a class on how to use ChatGPT for businesses and how to use ChatGPT in relation to Microsoft Office so workers can become more productive in a workforce. And shortly after that, we're going to have a class revolving around Microsoft Copilot, which is in a, in a nutshell, it's ChatGPT 
in the background and how employees can use that to be more productive at, at their workstations. Now, ChatGPT, it's changed the entire landscape of how we do things. That's pretty awesome that, that we're able to integrate it into so many things. How has ChatGPT affected your business? Lots of positives to it. I can't think of any negatives. The first positive is, is before I start any all-staff meeting, I always start off with a joke. And I learned that over the years from Joel Osteen. And, you know, I'm not a religious fanatic or anything, but I like his messaging. But he starts off every sermon with, let's start off with a joke. And I use ChatGPT to come up with jokes for all my staff meetings. (laughs) And so let's say the theme of the day is uh, staffing and maybe someone in the office got a new refrigerator. And I'll say, hey, ChatGPT, tell me a joke that discusses staffing and a new refrigerator. And within five seconds, I'll have a joke and I'll release it to the team and see what they say. And most of the time you get some corny dad jokes that ChatGPT produces, but it helps me uh, stay on my game. And and we usually have some good starts to our meetings. But I I use it, you know, in other ways, too, for more serious stuff. Uh, Over the years, I get asked to write letters of recommendation for people. And I've used that several times. I've written thank you notes. And I'll just put in a couple key features of, of what I'd like to be said in the thank you note or the recommendation letter. And then I'll, I'll, I'll get the result. And I still have some editing to do, but it's been such a time saver. Usually about 75 to 80% of what ChatGPT produces has been good for me. Just need to make some edits along the way and then I'm in business. I have to agree with you there. I, I utilize ChatGPT a lot. I have a commercial service business, which is what got me involved with the SBA Thrive program, hmm. which is how I ran into you. And then we also have this podcast and coaching and different things. And it used to take me hours to research one video blog or a blog that I was going to write. And now it still takes about an hour. You know, you want to make sure that you double check the information that's going in. You want to edit but it saved so much time. Now I can just bullet point through chat GPT and, and the information is there and I can get out twice as much work in a day. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Now what got you started on this journey that you're currently on? Have you been involved in computers all your life? I kind of had like a, a zigzag approach. I've always been a fan of tech. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier, my dad started the company in 1984. So I had computers as a kid and I was probably one of the first generation X, generation Y, I kind of fit or fall right in the middle um, that had a computer at home. And in first grade, I remember turning in papers using WordPerfect and printing off my papers and handing them, hand them in. Or on Saturday mornings, I'd, I'd put in a, uh, a Beach Boy CD into the CD player and play Oregon Trail on my computer at home by myself. And I was geeking out and loving it, right? <laughs> and then, you know, I get to college and, and I was an athlete in college and I played football for Indiana University. I was a bench warmer. I was a GPA kid, uh, but I was on the team. I got to dress for every home game, all sorts of benefits. And at one point I had teammates <laughs> come up to me and say, hey, Aaron, do you know how to use Napster? And I'm like, yeah, Napster was a big thing. And for those that don't know what Napster is, it was a file sharing of music and videos that you could download, quote unquote, for free off the Internet. And we're dumb college kids. We didn't know it was against the law and stealing artwork, but I'd have my teammates come up to me and say, Hey, Aaron, can you make me a, a CD for $10? Here's a, uh, here's a list of 50 songs or whatever the song count was. And I was like, sure. And I was making country music CDs and rap CDs and rock and roll CDs and whatever my teammates wanted. I had this little side gig going on. I was stealing music. Or at least I didn't know I was stealing music at the time. And uh, once I realized <laughs> it was illegal, I made amends and <laughs> did the right thing um, and stopped. 
Um, but Indiana University was at the time, the early 2000s, had the best internet in, in the country and had some of the smartest uh, computer minds. And that's kind of how I got into tech. And then along the way, I just, you know, I, I, I failed along the way in several in several ways. I, I tried out to, you know, for pro football teams and didn't make it. I tried doing door-to-door sales and I didn't make it. I got fired from there. I went to chiropractor school for two years, dropped out of chiropractor school, and then um, ended up uh, finding a small business to work with uh, that was in the trade show industry and ended up working in the trade show industry, learned um, learned from one of the masters in the industry how to sell booth space and slowly climbed the ladder. And, you know, I went from there, I ran a small consumer pet trade show, and then I went to different associations running their trade shows. And then I went to a trade show decorator and learned how to set up a trade show and the event management side, and then ended up with a very large trade show called Infocom. And that's where I got most of my experience and ran this, you know, one of the top 50 largest shows in the United States. We're ranked, I don't know, high 20s, low 30s in terms of how many people came to our event. It was like 30 to 50,000 people came every year. And I learned international business along the way too. And then I was like, you know what? I like international business. Let me get my MBA. So I went to Duke and it was an executive program, got my MBA, had fun, traveled the world, learned how to do business in all sorts of various cultures and learned how to understand people and learned how to create uh, cost models, which is something most business owners don't know how to do. And I love talking about that when I teach my class for the SBA. And I just continued to learn and learn and learn. And then I remember I was in Russia Back in, I think it was like 2012, my dad calls me up and he's like, dude, do you want the company? I was like, no, of course not. And he says, <laughs> says Aaron, do you want to have dad? I can hear you just fine. There's no break in the phone line here where technology today is really good. And he starts laughing. And then I, I looked at the numbers for the company and the, and the numbers were garbage. I was like, oh, man, this is brutal. And so, it's, uh, meanwhile, I'm interviewing <laughs> with with two corporate, you know, big corporations, and get offers from these big corporations to be product managers. One company was a router company, the other was a printer company. I'm like, that's boring. Let me take door number three and make no money. So I ended up taking door number three, <laughs> took over Office Pro. At that point, I had not bought the company yet. I didn't know what I was getting myself into, and just wanted to see what I was getting myself into. And eventually, paid them a, a crap ton of money for the company. I believe that we as humans, if we pay for something, we're going to value something that much more. So I ended up buying the company from him and, and I'm, I'm a scrappy sales guy and try to make money any way, shape possible. Our sales were miserable. Our margins were miserable. My first two years in business at Office Pro, I lost $50,000 a year, paying myself $40,000 a year. Keep that in mind too. Um, so I'm down a hundred thousand mm. bucks. And then along the way, one of my business models clicked. And one of the things I learned when I worked at Infocom being in the trade show business, and I learned even more about it when I was when I was doing my MBA, was how channel sales works. And channel sales really changed our business. And what is channel sales for those that don't know? Channel sales is let's say you have a TV that let's say you have a Samsung TV, and we as the consumer will buy that from a retailer. The retailer will get it from a distributor, and then the distributor will get it from the manufacturer. And everybody along the way is making a little bit of money. And I knew I had a small business. I didn't have a lot of money didn't have a lot of marketing spend and I needed sales. So I went after a certain um, uh, niche market and told them what our offerings were. And it was training at the time back in 2013, it was link 2013, that was our niche. And eventually that migrated to Skype for Business and we ended up doing a huge pharmaceutical company Skype for Business rollout and they had some video conferencing hardware. We did their rollout and then they said, hey, can you provide staffing too? And I was like, yeah, sure. I don't know what I'm doing, but yeah, we'll figure it out. And we always said yes, and we figured it out. 
and our quality has been dynamite over the years. And, and, and now we have this new division that randomly came out in 2016 and we're thriving in that. So it's been a growth trajectory, you know, every few years now, our new, new growth trajectory in addition to staffing. So we've got training that I mentioned earlier, we have our staffing, and then we had testing. I found a niche with providing uh, proctoring services for uh, if someone wants to get certified in a Microsoft Office software, like Word, Excel, PowerPoint, they can come to us and we can proctor the exams. And so I've been able to figure out the, these niches, learn the rules of the game, uh, how to effectively sell it. And at the end of the day, I'm having fun. We're, we're a profitable company. It took me two years to get there. And, you know, I remember I remember in, in 2016, one of our one of our channel partners, they owed me two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I had credit cards maxed out. I'm hitting the panic button like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? I owed this person money and that person money. And I had to threaten my channel partner saying, dude, I don't want to do this, but you guys owe me a crap ton of money. Can you pay me, please? Come on. It's been like over 90 days and they, they ended up paying us. And I've never had to worry about money since. And it's it's been it's been terrific and and it's been a lot of fun. Wow, that's quite the journey. Last night I was thinking, and I I think this often is I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, I, I started a commercial service company that grew tremendously. You know, it's a multi million dollar company now. We started a an at home cottage bakery. I don't know anything about that. We you know started this podcast, and there are all kinds of things that we do without knowing what we're doing and your entire journey that started (laughs) with collegiate football then wanting to become a pro football player going door to door chiropractic like that is a true testimony of of the life cycle right we we keep doing until we figure it out so many people out there are just lost and the first thing that they say is i have no idea what i'm doing i don't know what i want to do man you are a prime example of somebody that just gets out there and does and I don't even know what to start. I want to ask you, why did you want to play football? Why did you decide to go door to door from football? <laughs> what the heck led you into chiropractor school? And then Expos, where'd that come from? Aaron, I have no idea where to go with you. But yeah, so you went you went from door to door sales and then into chiropractor school. Why did you want to become a chiropractor? Yeah, so I was playing ball and uh, one of my dad's buddies uh, is a very well-known chiropractor here in the D.C. area. And uh, he was looking for an exit strategy. And I didn't know what to do with my life. I just knew football and school. And now I got to go support myself. And I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And he says, Aaron, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to chiropractor school. You're going to become a doctor. And then after college, you're going to come work for me. And after about five years, you're going to buy me out. And I'll teach you the business along the way. <laughs> okay, sure. What, what do I know? <laughs> so I graduate college. And my dad said, all right buck up. You got to start making money. And, you know, I've been on easy street my whole life. I didn't know what, it, what that meant. So I ended up getting a job selling telephone service door to door for a company called a, what's called a CLEC, which is a competitive local exchange carrier that competed with the bells. Like the, do you guys remember, um, before Verizon, there was Bell Atlantic, there was SBC, there was Pac Bell. So mm-hmm. I worked for a company that competed against those guys. And so I was just selling telephone service door to door. I got fired after, I don't know, six or eight months. But I was taking some classes, uh, like more or less night school at the local community college, the science classes that I didn't take in college. Went to chiropractor school, moved out to Kansas City for two years. Just said, sure, let's give it a shot. And it was funny because getting laid off was one of the best things that happened to me at the time because I got severance, I got unemployment, and I knew what my plan and journey was. And I still applied for the jobs and did the right thing and, you know, didn't get any offers, but, you know, did the right <laughs> thing. And just, you know, you, you play the game, right? You got to learn the rules of the Learn the rules and play the game. So that's how I ended up at chiropractor school. And then 
Uh, I get back from chiropractor school, not knowing what, what to do with my life. And a family friend says, hey, come work for me. And he owned a uh, consumer pet trade show. And little did I know, he's, he was one of the sales gurus in the in the trade show industry. And I got to sit next to him in his office. It was just two of us just cranking out the phones, dialing for dollars and putting a script together, how to handle different pushbacks and how to hunt for business and how to look at the trade pubs or go to competing trade shows. And that's kind of how I learned the trade show business. And then I was like, you know what, this is kind of fun. I like this. And let me, let me go see what, what else is out there. So from there, I worked for an association called the American Physical Therapy Association. I ran their trade shows for six months. And then I also worked for a trade show decorating company. So if you ever go to a convention, uh, companies that roll out the carpet or hang the signs or the banners or create the artwork, worked for a company that that handled that and had a blast doing that. And then ended up at Infocom. And I didn't know what Infocom was. I knew how to sell exhibit space. I didn't know AV at all, but I knew how to dial for dollars. And so uh, they hired me in May 2007. I had sold five companies into the June uh, 2007 uh, show in Anaheim. And they were like mind boggled that I got the five because, you know, you only have 30 days to sell a marketing push. <laughs> and I got five. And then by, I think maybe it was October, November, I'd hit my quota for the entire year. And my quota was due by uh, May 30th. And so I was on easy wow. street. And so I was just like, all right, yeah, cool. Whatever else I get now is just gravy. And I just continued to grow and learn the business. And, and that's kind of how I got into trade shows. Man, and so you you have a skill for identifying niches, identifying opportunities, and then rolling with them. Sounds like you've had a lot of fun along the way too. Yeah, I, I listen I listen to words, and you've said Easy Street a lot, so it sounds like you've enjoyed doing this, and and I love how you enjoy figuring things out. A lot of people don't do that or see that, you know. But that's the journey, and that's the enjoyment is figuring it out and ending up successful. Even though there are times where you'll hit rock bottom, you'll hit a failing point, which you have, but then you come out on top at the other end. Yeah. I've always been a believer where if you don't believe in your product or service, then you can't sell it. But that's not just believing in it. You have to understand it and explain it in layman's terms. And that's one of the things I see with my friends on a regular basis that are that are in startup mode. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing X, Y, and Z and A, B, and C. Okay, great. Tell me more. Well, I just told you it's X, Y, and Z and A, B, and C. And I'm like, dude, come on. You got to tell me more. Aaron, just shut up. I don't want to deal with it. And, and, and they give up. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to be your potential client one day, you're going to need to be able to explain it in a better way. Right. And something that that's easy to understand. And I think that's been one of the things I've been able to figure out over the years. I remember when I was in chiropractor school, I was taking all these science classes that it was like speaking a foreign language. And I'm like, man, this is tough. But once I was able to put it in my own words and rephrase things and and put it in layman's terms, the light bulbs went off. And I was like able to understand that, understand the concepts much better. I just didn't have the mind for medicine because they throw, they throw a ton at you in a short, short amount of time. Now, have you always had that mindset as a kid? And the reason I ask that is I've got two young kids, a, a son and a daughter, and and they're both at the age where they're, they're in sports. And so we're outside playing soccer and I'm coaching them on how to pass and properly kick the ball and dribble the ball. And so when I place it in different areas, they'll automatically just stop, look at me and they just say, I can't, that's too hard. So you train them. Well, it's, it's hard now, but that's why we practice. Repetition is going to lead ultimately into that goal. Now, it seems that you have that mindset growing up. Is that a mindset that you always had, or was that instilled in you by your parents or a teacher or a coach along the way? Yeah, probably a combination of, of everything. I'm the youngest of four. Uh, I've got three older brothers. Uh, there's 12 years between myself and the oldest. 
He'd always beat the crap out of me. No, I'm just kidding. That never happened. Um, <laughs> he's 12 years older than me. When I was seven years old or six years old, he's off to college. And then my next brother, he's 10 years older than me. So when I was eight, you know, he's off to college. But, but my other brother, Josh, he's uh, five years older. Like, we were competitive as a kid. We played sports together all the time. And, you know, I, I didn't want to lose. I wanted to, you know, hang out with my big brother. How do you hang out with your big brother if you suck at sports, right? You got to get good at it. You got to figure it out. And I, and I probably had some good coaches along the way as well, teaching us, you know, the skills. I remember I remember in high school, or no, it was eighth grade, my dad, he first signed me up to play varsity basketball at the local community center. They had a varsity team, which I was like, what? And we played several high schools in the D.C. area, including the DeMatha the, the JV team. And, and for those that don't know who DeMatha is, that is probably the, one of the top five basketball high schools in the United States. And they've got, you know, probably hundreds of, of former NBA players went to high school there. Just a great school. We played their JV mm-hmm. team, and they beat us like, I don't know, 97 to 20. And when they dunked in the game, oh, wow. they, uh, they, they gave them a technical foul. But you know, but but it, for me, it was like a learning experience. It's like, you know, how, how do I push around? How do I get, you know, get big? How do I get tough? And you got to get tough. And right. That's one of the mindsets about playing football. You got to get tough. And I remember the following summer, my dad signed me up for AAU basketball. And it was one of his army buddies that coached the center city team. And so I show up there. And I'm the only suburban kid there. And I'm like, all right, let's play ball. I don't I don't care what, what you look like. And I remember playing ball. And man, did I get tough? Because if you're not tough out there, everyone's going to beat up on you. And I didn't, I didn't want to get beat up. And I played on that team for a few years. That helped me toughen up. That helped me, I think, provide my meal ticket to college. Because when you play with competition that's much better than you are, then you're going to improve. Mm-hmm. You hang out with smarter people, you're going to get smarter. And that's kind of been my mindset. And that's something I've tried to coach my kids on on a regular basis is like, hey, you know, go play with a neighbor kid. Well, no, Dad, he's really good at basketball. And he's two years older. I'm like, Dude, if you want to get good, you know, go for it, you know, go play. And so that's kind of been been my mentality over the years. Just play with bigger, stronger, faster people, and then you'll naturally grow as well. Well, that's a great mentality. That Who was it? Jim Rohn said you're the average of the five people you surround yourself the most with. So, you know, it, it holds truth. Now, what drives you, Aaron? What's your purpose? What keeps you going and committed and growing and creating funnels and doing all the great stuff that you do. I've got two fears in life, and one of them is avoidable. Uh, the one that's not avoidable is death. <laughs> it's going to happen, right? <laughs> but the other one is failure, and I don't want to fail. And I know my business could probably be a hell of a lot bigger than it is now, but my risk tolerance is, is at a certain threshold where I know if I goof something up, I'm out of business, right? And I'm a perfectionist. And so I make sure that my I's are dotted, my T's are crossed in every single project that we get involved with. And I've surrounded myself with a team that thinks the same way, right? We don't want to goof up. We want to make sure we're doing right by the client. So that, that's kind of what, what motivates me. And it's funny because, uh, you know, every few years, one of our channel partners will call me and they'll say, hey, Aaron, you know, we want to acquire you. We, we want to work with you. We want to do more with you. And it's like, hey, I'm flattered, right? And then when I talk to them about how perfect we are as a company, and, and we make mistakes. We're human, right? It's, it's natural. You know, they're like, well, heck, Aaron, we make more mistakes than than you guys do. And I'm like, yeah. And what's your customer, you know, aggravation levels like? Dude, they're like up here. They're super <laughs> high. I'm like, yeah, ours are super low because, you know, <laughs> you know, we, we, want, we, we believe that communication wins championships. We have a saying at Office Pro, you know, DFIU, don't F it up. In fact, it's so great. I don't know if we're recording this on video or not, but this is our, our mission statement here or our corporate value system, rather. But if you look at the bottom, it's DFIU. Don't F it up, right? 
and, and that's just our mentality as a team here. If you make mistakes, it's okay, right? You know, we don't get upset about it. It's like, just try and do better the next time. It happens. D-F-I-U. That, that's a great motto. Where'd that come from? <laughs> I don't know. I think I just made it up one day. Or maybe <laughs> I heard it from somewhere else. I thought it was great. But our corporate value system is, is I think it's really good. And my team, you know, they used to give me crap about it. But I was talking to a company. It was a private equity company. And we were talking to them many years ago. And they had this list written in stone outside their office. And I thought this was great and I love it. And, and the number one thing that, that, you know, when you're doing business with anybody is that you have to be honest. You have to have integrity. And so that's number one on our list as well. And I, you know, I firmly believe like, you know, the moment you don't tell the truth is the moment that your credibility is lost. We see that with, um, with people in the news on a regular basis where you hear two sides of a story. But when it turns out that someone lies, you never want to deal with them again. Mm. So I think that's most important. You know, another thing, my second bullet point, we deliver what we promise in our personal and professional relationships. You say you're going to do something, you follow through with it. If you can't follow through mm-hmm. with it, just communicate that. I have another saying here, communication wins championships. If you don't tell mm-hmm. people what's going on, no one's ever going to know what the heck to do. We always demonstrate um, diligence and commitment in our efforts. Huge. We always uh, show teamwork. We use te- uh, terms like we, not I. It's not in my job description. It's not in our vocabulary, right? These are things that if you ingrain it in your team, they'll respect you more for it. But you also have to be a leader and do the same thing, right? The mm-hmm. moment you lie to somebody and your team sees it, your team's going to lose all respect for you. When I was teaching the uh, emerging leaders class that you were talking about earlier, Ray, for the, uh, for the SBA, um, one of the questions I got over email from, from someone one day was, you know, I think they owned a car shop or an auto body shop or something, something that of a car repair place. And they said, I can't get my team to buy in from what I'm telling them to do. <laughs> and I was like, and they said, how do I do that? <laughs> well, are you honest with them? Do you tell them the truth? Are you transparent? Do you have fun with them? What are your team building activities like? You know, for team building, um, and I know you saw this before, Ray, uh, when, I was, uh, when I was teaching my other course, I mean, I keep an arsenal of uh of nerf guns here in the office and we'll run around and just shoot each other it's it's fun and i always make sure i lose right you make sure someone else wins right we all want to you know be in the limelight on a regular basis and i get that but it's okay to lose and and you you gotta lose with dignity and lose with grace and you know and be a good sportsman about it so that's what i said to the guy i'm like dude get some nerf guns in your office and lighten up the mood you know, put put a you know put together a corporate value system. You don't have to use the same one I'm using, but you know, figure something out. Get with your team. Get their feedback. What do they want to see? Are you listening to your employees? What do they want to do? Right. It's not always about the business owner. It's about the team. And and for me, that's that's super important. And it's probably the most important thing. You know, making sure that that you have a an associate centric business because at the end of the day, as business owners and leaders, our associates are our customers. You know, they make sure that that they provide the resources necessary for us to be able to properly run our businesses. And I I love communication wins championships because that is always the first thing to break down and destroy a business when someone's not communicating. And that's also how you identify problems that are within the business. So, so I love that. I am however going to make a poster that says DFIU for my company and I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm just going to put it up and wait for people to start asking me. So we'll, we'll figure that out. That's really cool. I remember being at a, uh, I was at a recruiting event. You guys are like this story. I was at a re- recruiting event at Duke University a few years ago. 
And, uh, and this girl wanted to show me something. She's like, crap, my password's not working. And she was, you know, most people in their passwords, it's, you know, it's whatever the password is, number one, number two, number three, right? Everyone just adds numbers. Her password was literally don't F-bomb it up. <laughs> number one. <laughs> it's like, that's great. I love that. That's awesome. Now, you have all kinds of, of things going on in your life. How do you maintain balance? How do you stay centered and focused? Keeping a calendar is key. My wife and I, when stuff pops up on the calendar, like we send each other meeting invites. My staff makes fun of me, but that's what works for us. And that's how we stay organized. Part of my communication wins championships is communication and organization wins championships. And I sometimes say that as well. But I literally got to put it on the calendar and I got to, you know, block out times for for me time. So every Tuesday and Thursday from noon to one um, or from uh, during lunchtime, I've got a personal trainer that comes to the office that keeps me in shape. You know, I'm a heavy set guy, but I'm very strong and and I owe it all to my trainer. Right. And mm-hmm. I can pick I can still pick up my kids, my kids each way. I don't know, one kid, my son weighs probably 55, 60 pounds. My daughter's a little bit older. She weighs 70, 75 pounds. I can pick them up with one arm and carry them, what seems like, for about a mile. But I owe that to my trainer and, and staying in shape on a regular basis. It forces me to get out of, you know, th- that work mode. It forces my mind to take a break. It forces me if I'm, you know, on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at lunch, if I go on, the, I brought an elliptical in the office and I'm doing my cardio on Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays. It forces me to go watch, you know, sports, the sports news. I love watching Sports Center. Or, or the other day I was watching, um, what do you call it? A movie I haven't seen in years, Revenge of the Nerds, right? Oh, yeah. And so I was able to watch, you know, I don't know, 30 to 45 minutes of it on Monday. And, and then I paused it. And a couple of days later, I came back to it, watched another 30 to 45 minutes and, and so on and so forth. And so, yeah, I mean, keeping a schedule, you know, putting things on the calendar. If I need to block time away, my, my team knows like, hey, I'm looking at Aaron's calendar. He's not available from 12 to 1 today, right? He's tied up. Or, hey, you know, we use Microsoft Teams and Aaron's on Do Not Disturb, leave him alone. Or Aaron's in red, leave him alone. When it's green, talk to him, right? It's all about communication, all right? Not in those in those examples, it's not verbal communication. It's electronic communication. But you got to pick up on social cues as well. And so that's, that's how I'm able to do it and how I'm able to communicate with my team. Communication wins championships. I really love how you've integrated balance into your life. Uh, my wife and I do the exact same thing. She'll like she'll text me or call me. We need to do this, or Bella has dance recital, or whatever it may be. And and well, she used to text me. Now I just get a calendar invite, and I'll accept it or decline it. So, do you have a full weight set in your office, or do you and your trainer just go out and deadlift Volkswagens in the parking lot? Yeah, combination of everything. Um, <laughs> the last folks now. Um, <laughs> so during COVID, all the gyms were closed, so I, I put a gym in the office, and so my staff, I, you know, we, we we came up with a system where if you want to come in the office, hey, that's great. You can be here by yourself. Um, we have a, we're like a storefront office, so you can just walk in ground floor, no elevator. So it was a safe environment where people could come in, uh, work out. Uh, we had the elliptical, we have a 300 pound bench press, we've got dumbbells. And so people can just come in and do their own thing. As I've gotten older, my trainer's more or less gotten away from most of those, um, most of the weights. And he's like, dude, you're getting old, bro. (laughs) Like, thanks. (laughs) And so we do a lot of like no weight type exercises. So we do um, like like squats, but just doing the form, like, you know, squatting down and or, you know, doing 15 pound, you know, dumbbells or doing what else do we do a lot of leg lifts, a lot of, you know, just just more gravity resistance than anything else. And it's really helped my body get toned up a little bit. Um, but it's it's also really strong. One of my favorite stories about this is, is last fall. 
I got tickets for the iHeartRadio concert. I got second row tickets. And I was trying to give them away as a corporate gift, and nobody wanted them. So I said to my daughter, I, I was like, hey, you want to go to this concert? She, she doesn't know music. She's eight years old. Mm-hmm. So she's like, sure, Dad, let's go. So we go downtown to D.C. It takes about an hour to get there. You know, rush hour traffic on like a I don't know, Wednesday night or whatever. We get down to the concert. We get down to the floor. You know, it's probably like 80, 30. She's getting pooped. We're second row at a concert. Pretty freaking cool, right? I'm yeah. thinking, man, I'm dad of the year. I took my daughter to this awesome concert. She's like, dad, this sucks. Can we go? And I'm like, what? Like, come on. She's like, dad, come on. I'm tired. Let's go. Pick me up. So I'm like, okay. I literally picked her up with one hand, walked her about probably about 200 feet to, you know, down the aisle to where the next intersection was across, you know, half the floor of the of the arena in D.C., which was probably another 60 to 80 feet. Right. And then up a flight of stairs and I didn't break a sweat. And wow. I said, man, I got a, I got Fred, you know, Fred's making me strong. He's my, my trainer. I'm mm-hmm. like, thank you, Fred, for making me strong. I'm able to carry my daughter <laughs> this long distance and. So it was funny. The conclusion of the story is that on our way out, I bumped into a buddy of mine that I grew up with. He's like, dude, we're in this suite over here. You guys want to join us? I'm like, sure. So we go in the suite and uh, for the concert, my daughter says, daddy, I like these seats way better. <laughs> Who was playing? I don't even remember. It was so it was iHeartRadio. It's like their Christmas concert. And they um, it's just like a mismatch of different artists. They had like, I don't know, probably six or eight different artists. I don't remember who was there. I was waiting for you to say Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift was not there. I wish. Like I think Timbo was. Is it Timba? Or Timber? Yeah, t- Timberland or Tim Tim. Yeah, or something Timberland like that. maybe. Yeah. Yeah, he was there. Well, that's cool. We we didn't last long enough. <laughs> that's <laughs> like yeah. Oh, I can't tell you how many places we've been where our kids are just like, I'm so excited. Let's go to Fiesta, Texas. We're gonna ride some roller coasters. And 30 minutes into line, sitting in line, they're like, Ah, oh, Daddy, I'm tired. Let's go. What? Yeah. <laughs> now, with this journey that you've had in your life and, and all the accomplishments you've done, what type of legacy do you want to leave behind for the world, for your family, for those around you? Yeah, great question. So it's funny. I'll start with my dad because my, my dad, before he passed away, he wanted everyone at his funeral to hear this, the Frank Sinatra song, I Did It My Way. Right. And if you listen to the words of that song, they're, they're powerful. Right. And I remember one of the lines is, you know, mistakes. I've made a few too many to count or something to that effect. Right. And, and, and I think about that song on a regular basis too, because yeah, I mean, I did it my way. And along the way, you, you know, we all get guidance as business owners to, to do it somebody else's way. Right. And, and we, we see videos like, Hey, if you do this, you're going to make a million dollars. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, no. Right. But that's not always the case. And so I guess, you know, I want people to, you know, think of me like, Hey, Aaron's, a, Aaron's a good dude. Aaron's honest. He's trustworthy. He's going to give you his, his dedication and commitment. Um, everybody around him is going to be the same way. And I think that's what we as business owners you know, need to do. But I hope that's how people you know, remember me. Um, I remember I had a guy a few years ago um, who, who worked for me. And, and I, I found out that he was stealing from the company. And along the way, I was talking with, a, with, with an, some other businesses. And they're like, dude, we don't trust this guy. Aaron, you, you got to do something about it. He's not trustworthy. And sure enough, I, I learned this and you know, I got rid of him right away. And that just doesn't fly with me. You're my brother. One of my brothers has a saying, uh, your reputation is like your virginity. You only can lose it one time. And so I, I think about that on a regular basis, right? You know, you don't want to ever, ever, ever mess it up. And I feel bad for 
either athletes or celebrities that, you know, that we see in the news on a regular basis, they make one mistake and everyone discounts them right away. And we, we don't necessarily know the full story, right? And there's two sides to every story and the truth is in the middle, but I never want to be in any of those, those people's shoes. <laughs> Just always, always do it the right way. I love that. That's a great legacy. Now, many people struggle to find their purpose and meaning in their lives. We live in distorted times where there's a ton of comparison out there through social media and and just different outlets where there's a distorted view on who we should be or who we should be like or what to emulate. What's some advice that you would give someone who's currently searching for their meaning or purpose? I am not a believer in social media, but I am a believer in social media. And I'm not on social media very often. Um, it looks like I am, but I hired somebody to do it for me. <laughs> so a lot of my posts are <laughs> literally, you know, it's, it's Curtis. He's my marketing guy he, and he's doing a great job. But it's so easy to get sucked into it that I just avoid it. I, I'm not into Facebook very often. I'll post things every now and again, you know, like a family picture. But I feel sad for people that get sucked in. They say, oh, I saw the Smith family or the Jones family or this family. They went on this expensive vacation. Now I have to do it. And you know, and then they spend money that they don't have. And the next thing you know, they're, they're asking for money or, you know, or for whatever. It's you got to be responsible with it. And responsibility is a big key in my life. I have another saying, you know, you got to take responsibility for your own actions and inactions. Right. So because mm-hmm. of that, I, I, I'm not on social media. Yeah, I'll like a couple posts on LinkedIn every now and again. But seeing people go on the rants and raves, it's if for me, it's tough. Just keep your mouth shut. You know, when you put something in writing, it's forever. And you look at celebrities, you know, and I, and I think about football players, you know, posted some bad stuff on social media. But, dude, that's, you know, it may have been deleted, but no, once it's out there, you're done, right? Just, just don't get sucked into it. Great advice. I was talking to a friend a few days ago about this. We were talking about how everything that you put onto social media or anywhere, even emails now, are now sucked up into a cloud. And they are there forever. And so we just coined a phrase cloud never forgets. So you want to be careful of what you're putting out there because it can come back to haunt you eventually. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And thank you for the advice and great words of wisdom. You know, going back to social media, thinking more about that is my college coach days before social media, he had a, he had a good saying. He said, avoid fools. Ooh. Right. Yeah. Avoid fools, avoid, you know, people doing drugs, people that, you know, his message was avoid people that drink and do drugs and do bad stuff. And now you put that in the in the mindset of today with social media and people want to pick a fight over a computer. I'm like, don't engage. Come on. Keep your thoughts to yourself. If you want, type it out, get it off your chest and then hit the delete button and never send it. <laughs> right. Exactly. I can't tell you how many times I've done that, written an email and then just deleted it. The amount of chaos that's out there today just adds to our internal frustrations and trauma that we already have, you know, and it just it makes it a little more difficult just to survive and figure out our way. Now, if anybody wants to get to know a little more about you or get in contact with you, what's what's a good website to go to? Yeah, um, check me out on LinkedIn, Aaron Udler, A-A-R-O-N, also known as A-A-R-O-N, <laughs> uh, Udler, U-D-L-E-R. Or you can check out Office Pro, Office Pro Inc. Inc is I-N-C dot com. I love talking to people. I get random emails from people sometimes saying, dude, I heard you. In, in your class the other day, I got some more questions. What are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on that? I'll meet up with people. That's how Ray and I met. Ray sent me a note saying, dude, let's connect. And we connected and, and now we're BFFs. So Yeah, that's right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I remember uh, 
watching your class, I'm like, this guy seems really cool. Let me send him a message, you know? And, and so I did. And, and here we are. Um, it's been a great time talking with you today, Aaron. <laughs> Thanks for joining the show. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Balanced Purpose Podcast was created and hosted by me, Ray Trevino, and is produced and edited by Nick Galtney. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Check us out at balancedpurposepodcast.com and on Instagram at balancedpurposepodcast. Remember, finding your purpose is a journey, not a destination, and it takes time and effort to achieve balance. Make it a great day.